0: Well, hey, welcome to Easter at Journey. I have a smoke machine too. Like I'm about to do a rap. What? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to turn it off. I think there's a way. Uh, hey, welcome. This is Easter at Journey. I'm so pumped that you're here. I don't know if you know this or not, but we're five weeks old as a church, and I'm honored that you came this week, men. Hey, when you, when you think about your week this past week, how was your week? Was it good? Was it amazing? Was it, was it so-so? Maybe this past week was like the week before, I don't know. Did, did, did you have an epiphany this week? Have you ever had an epiphany, one of these moments where you just have this existential moment? It's like um, you, you take a look at your life, you see things as they really are, and you're like, you know, as a result of this, I got to change some stuff. Like, like maybe for you, it was, it was going up a flight of stairs and you got to the top of the stairs and you were winded and you were like, man, I gotta lose some weight. And like that was the start of your weight loss journey or, or, or maybe it was the time where your kid was saying, daddy, 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 daddy. And they're trying to get your attention but you're on your phone and then you, you just have this moment where it's like you zoom out, and you have this out-of-body experience, and you see yourself on your phone, your kid trying to get your attention, and you see this scene, and you just get really sad, and you think, man, I need to be more present, and so you just start a policy where you're like, I'm not going to have family, and so you, you set that aside, or, or, or maybe uh, you have this moment where um, you stop, and you assess life, and you say, And I feel like a a rat in a race. I feel like a a hamster in a wheel just going and going and going. And my career is like not fulfilling for me. It's not life-giving for me. And you feel like you're wasting your time. And then you just say, that's it, I'm starting a company. Uh -uh, I'm starting a business. I'm doing something that I love in my career. Have you ever had one of these moments, this existential moment, this epiphany moment where you stop and you look and and you point back to that and you say, man, that was a day that everything changed for me. My hope today is to give you one of those moments. My hope today, and it's a tall assignment, but I'm up for the challenge. My goal today is to make today one where you would look back years from now and you would say that day on April 17, 2022, I went to this church I met in a skating rink. I don't even know what I was doing, but I showed up and then my life changed forever because Easter, and And A lot of you are here for the first time, and I'm so honored that you're here, and if you're here for the first time, man, you picked a great day to be here, because like Dave said, we're starting a brand new series, and uh, I don't know how you heard about our church, maybe you got a mailer in the mail, or a friend invited you, or you saw something on Facebook, and you said, okay, I'll go check out that church, it's Easter, everybody goes to church, I might as well go, and so you showed up, and um, my hope, though, today is that something's gonna change for you. And like I said, if you're here for the first time, you picked a great day to be here because they're starting a brand new series called The Me I Wanna Be. And so you're, you're coming into this not in the middle of something, not at the end of something, but at the very beginning of it. And my hope is that you'll say, okay, cool. I was there for the first week. I'm gonna come back the next week and the next week to discover more. And some of you are like, well, hold on. <laughs> Pump the brakes, preacher. I'm just here for Easter. That's it. And, and maybe you'll see me in Christmas. Maybe you'll see me next Easter. I don't know. But my hope is that today, like I said, I want to give you an epiphany moment, an existential moment where you see things differently forever. And maybe today you'll say, you know what? I've been in this pattern of trying to show up at church or kind of showing up at church or maybe... Or maybe you've been in this place where the pandemic punched you in the face and you used to stop going to church altogether. Or maybe you're a person who you showed up and you're like, fine, I'll give it a shot, and you don't really consider yourself a church person. That's okay. We started this church with you in mind. And my hope is that after today, you'll say, you know what, I'm going to press into this a little more. I'm going I'm to come back and see, see what else God wants to say to me so that I can discover the more that I was made for. And so we're starting this series called The Me I Want to Be. And um, we're doing this series because this is my experience. Maybe maybe you have the same experience, but there's this me that I want to be, right? This me that I want to be is like patient and kind and loving and compassionate, husband of the year, father of the decade, leader extraordinaire. It's it's this me that I want to be who's always slow to speak and quick to listen uh, and slow to become angry. There's this me that I want to be where I'm just more patient and present and, and that's who I want to be, and then there's me, like who I really am, and there's this gap in between, and I find myself living in the gap. I wonder if there's a me that you want to be, and then there's a me that you really are when you look in the mirror, and you realize there's a gap in between, and you're living in the gap. I mean, just, just think about your week this past week, right? As you think about your week this past week, my guess is that your story is similar to the person next to you story, which is similar as the person in the third row story, which is similar as the person in the fifth row story. I, I, my guess is that this past week looked a lot like the week before, which looked a lot like the week before, and next week is gonna look like this past week. Like, I wonder if this is your story. Here, I actually wanna tell you a story. I want you to try it on for size and see if any of this fits. Last week, For most days, my guess is you probably woke up in the same old bed at the same old time next to the same old wife. Don't laugh at that. Just look straight ahead. Just, Honey, I don't know what he's talking about, all right? It's okay, because she thinks the same thing about you. So don't, but I wonder if you woke up at the same old time in the same old bed next to, we'll skip that part, and then you brush your same old teeth, had your same old breakfast, got in the same old car, went to your same old job the same old way, you did the same old work with the same old people, had the same old lunch, left at the same old time. You came back the same old way to your house where you met your same old dog who jumped on you and slobbered, and then you saw the same old kids who got in the same old arguments, and you had the same old dinner at the same old time. You watched the same old shows on the same old TV. You brush your same old teeth, because we are brushing our teeth twice a day, right? Check in on that, come on. And then you crawl into the same old bed, you watch the same old TV in your same old bedroom, you turn to the same old wife, you ask the same old question, and you got the same old answer. Of course, let's do it. No, you didn't get that answer. You got a different one, right? But I wonder if this is your life. I wonder, as you look at this, is this your experience? Is this what you what you find now. now now listen, don't misunderstand what I'm saying and don't misapply what I'm saying. Like don't leave here today and leave your wife. And, well, the preacher said, I didn't say that, right? Don't trade your kids in for other kids or no kids or any of that. I'm not saying that, but I wonder if there's any part of you where you just feel like you're in this rut, you're in this routine, you're like living in this mundane, monotonous existence and it's the same old thing, and you know exactly what you're going to do tomorrow morning because you did the same thing last Monday and the Monday before and the Monday before. I wonder if as you look at your life, if you would describe it as an adventure. I wonder if as you look at your life, would you say that you're discovering the more that you were made for? Do, 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 you, do you feel within you this, this nudge, this tug, this pull for something more? Do you ever wonder, man, is there more to life than just... Um, I'm living and I feel that sometimes and I've thought that sometimes there's got to be more there's got to be more because there's this me that I want to be and then there's me who I really am and I feel like the me that I want to be isn't stuck as much isn't just going through the motions isn't just existing but is thriving and really living like that's who I want to be and, and it's crazy, I, I, I came across a clue that I think um, helps us figure out how to bridge the gap between who we are and who we want to be. And, and it's a clue that, that's found in this really obscure place uh, in the scriptures. It, 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 it takes place 2,000 years ago in, in Israel. And um, what happened was Jesus, God's son, the son of God, God in the flesh, burst onto the scene, and he invited some guys to start following him around. And uh, these guys who started to follow him around, his, his disciples, his followers, his, his apprentices, found themselves stuck in that same kind of routine, same old, same old, same old. Like, like there's this one guy named Peter, who, Peter was a fisherman. And I think if you were to ask Peter before he ever met Jesus, hey, Peter, what are you gonna do today? Peter would say, well, I'm, I'm gonna do the same thing that I did yesterday, I'm gonna go fish, and hopefully I'll catch something. And then he said, well, well, Peter, what are you going to do tomorrow? He said, tomorrow I'm going to do the same thing I'm going to do today, which is the same thing I did yesterday. I'm going to get in my boat. I'm going to go fish, and hopefully I'll catch something. And if you ask Peter, hey, Peter, what did you do two weeks ago? He'd say, I did the same thing I'm going to do today. I went fishing. And if you ask Peter, what are you going to do five months from now, four years from now, he'd probably say the same thing. Same thing. I'm going to get in a boat, put some nets out, hopefully I'll catch some fish, and that's it. Like, this is Peter's life. And then Jesus crashed into him. And I wanna show you this interaction. It's found in Luke chapter five, verse one. It says, one day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in to listen to the word of God. And he noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, Simon's other name is Peter, to push out into the water. So he sat in the boat, and he taught the crowds from there. So just envision the scene. They're, they're at this lakefront, and there's tons of people gathering around. Jesus is surrounded by people. He turns into introvert mode, and he gets into this boat, and he, and he, like, pushes out to the shore so he can get away from the people and then teach them. And so this is what's happening. Jesus is teaching these people uh, just, just off in the water. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now, go out where it's deep, Let down your nets to catch some fish. And so Jesus, after teaching, he's like, it's time to get some lunch. Let's catch some fish. And he tells Peter, go out into the deep water, let your nets down, and we're gonna catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and we didn't catch a thing. Jesus, I don't know if you understand this, but I'm a fisherman. This is what I do. The time that you're talking about going out to catch fish is not the time to go catch fish. You actually do that at night. And we were out all last night, and we were trying to catch some fish, and we didn't catch anything at the peak time when it's time to catch fish. We're done. We're tired. We're cleaning the nets. But there's something about Jesus when Peter interacts with him. And he says, but if you say so, I'll let down the nets again. I don't know, Jesus, it doesn't make sense, that's not how you fish, we've already tried, we've done everything we could, but if you say so, I'll do it. Can I just pause and and point this out? I believe that, that, that some of you today are sitting in the same boat as Peter and that you've been trying life on your own. You've been doing things on your own. You've been going. You've been trying to make it happen. You've done all the things that seem right and that make sense. And then here comes Jesus. Here comes God saying, wait, I have another way. I have a better way. I have a different way. And you're like, that doesn't make sense. I wonder if today, just today, you press in and say, you know what? It doesn't make sense. I'm not really a church person. I don't really know if I even believe in God, but... I've done everything I can, maybe I need to try this. If you say so, if you say so, I will, I'll give it a shot. And for those of you who are following Jesus, I wonder, I wonder, you've been following Jesus but you've also been following you, right? And so Jesus is leading you a certain way. Hey, live this way, here's how you do relationships, here's how you pursue purity. Here's how uh, you interact with your kids. Here's how you manage finances. Here's how you, and you look at all those things and you pick and choose and you're like, okay, yeah, I'll do this and I'll do this and I'll do this, but not this over here. And I'm gonna hold on to my past and I'm gonna shove some of these things in the shadows and I'm gonna, but everything else I'm gonna follow. I, I, I wonder if today is the day you say, God, that doesn't make sense. And it scares me to death. It's really uncomfortable. And I gotta come face to face with my shadows on this but I've been running for too long. And because you say so, because your word says so, I'll do it. Because I've been going life my own way, doing my own thing. Sure, I believe in you. I follow you kind of at a distance. But I wonder if today is the day where like Peter, you say, okay, doesn't make sense. I don't like it. It's inconvenient. It's gonna be extra work on me. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets again. I'll do it. And this time, Here's what I want you to see. When they did what Jesus said. When they did what Jesus said. I wonder if you're stuck somewhere. You keep running into some obstacle. You keep banging into something. The thing from your past keeps creeping up and reminding you. And you live in this guilt and this shame. And I wonder, and I wonder if there's this moment where you just say, because Jesus says so, I'm going to follow him. When you do what he says to do, I believe the breakthrough you're looking for will break forth. When they did it. At this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. And when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus, and he said, oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. He realizes just how messed up he is, and he can't do this life on his own. Where he was all struck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. Now, Peter is a fisherman. This is what he does. He fishes for a living. He's never caught this many fish before in this way. He's all struck. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. See, Jesus finds Peter and he crashes into him. And when he does this, everything changes for Peter. And then Jesus invites Peter to start following him. Again, before Peter met Jesus, if you were to ask Peter, hey, Peter, what are you gonna do today? He'd be like, well, I'm gonna go fishing just like I did yesterday. But now that he's following Jesus, if you were to ask Peter years later after following Jesus, hey, Peter, what are you gonna do today? He'd be like, I have no clue. Really, I I have no idea. Because like just the other day, it was so crazy. We were with Jesus and this girl died and he healed her. Like right there, it was crazy. And then a couple of weeks ago, it was, it was bizarre. There were like 5,000 men who were bringing their families to so women and children, tons and tons of people, thousands and thousands of people. And they're all listening to Jesus. And we started getting hungry and we said, hey Jesus, we think the crowd is hungry. You should send them away so they can get something to eat. We wanna eat something too. And Jesus said, no, how about you feed them? And we're like, Jesus, we can't feed them. All we have are five loaves of bread and two fish that we stole from some kid and that's our lunch. And Jesus is like, no, you feed him. And so we brought him the five loaves and the two fish. He blessed it, and it's so bizarre. Like, that multiplied, and it fed all those people. And then, and then there was this other time, there was this other time where Jesus went into the temple, and there were people buying and selling and stuff like that, trying to get rich off God, and Jesus just flipped out, man. He flipped tables. He started beating people with a whip. It was crazy. So like, what are we gonna do today? I have no idea. No clue. Because for Peter, when he started following Jesus... It was an adventure. I wonder, if you're somebody who follows Jesus, does your life look like an adventure? Or does it look like the same old, same old? I believe God has called you to discover the more you were made for. And I just wonder if so many of us are settling at subpar. I wonder if so many of us are settling to just strive and just get by. See, when Jesus invited Peter, to recklessly run with him. And that's what it was. Hey, Peter, I want you to follow me. Peter leaves behind the fishing business. He's following Jesus, recklessly running with him, and he experiences adventure in his life on this new journey that he's on. I believe when we recklessly run with Jesus, he'll lead us to places where we'll grow like never before, where we'll discover more about ourselves than we, than we ever that, that, that we never knew, and, and, and we'll be able to accomplish things that we never thought possible. But it begins when we recklessly run with Jesus. And the reason why we can recklessly run with Jesus, and that's what I want to invite you to do today, because that's what Peter did. The reason why we can recklessly run with Jesus is because Jesus recklessly ran toward us. Jesus recklessly ran toward you, and then he invites you, come follow me. I wanna show you a life unlike any you've ever asked for or imagined. See, there was this moment in Jesus' ministry where he was trying to explain to people just who God was and how God was. And so he told these three different stories about lost things. Um, And what he's doing is he's trying to explain to us how he recklessly ran toward us. And so Luke chapter 15, um, he was talking to a crowd of people and he said, okay, it's like this. God is a lot like a shepherd, and there's this shepherd that has 100 sheep, and uh, he loses one of the sheep. So here's what the shepherd does. He leaves the 99 in the open country to go recklessly chase after this one that's lost. Like, the shepherd doesn't say, oh, I, got, I got 99 sheep, I'm good. He doesn't cut his losses, no. Like, he's, he loves this sheep so much that he does whatever it takes to find it. And so he crosses ravines, he, he climbs up cliffs, he goes down into valleys, he crosses over streams. He does whatever it takes to find this one lost sheep. And when he finds the sheep, Jesus says, he looks at it right in the eye, and he says, you stupid sheep. No, he doesn't say that. Some of you expect that from God, though. That's why, that's why you're afraid to come to church. Because for you, church is a place of judgment. And when you think about God, he's just waiting to get you alone and say, what is wrong with you? Can you wh- wh- why did you think that was a good idea? Who, who, who in their right mind, right? Now, that's not what the shepherd does. He doesn't beat the sheep. He doesn't scold the sheep. He doesn't shame the sheep. Instead, what he does is he picks up the sheep. He hoists it on his shoulders. Sheep weigh between 80 pounds and 400 pounds. I'm guessing this was an 80 pound sheep. He picks the sheep up on his shoulders and then he runs back home. And when he gets home, what he does is he calls his friends up. He says, I found my lost sheep. Come celebrate with me. Come party with me. He throws a party for this lost sheep that's now found. And Jesus says in the same way, God looks at you. He'll recklessly abandon everything for you. That's what he did by going to the cross. He tells another story about this woman who has 10 coins and she loses one of them. She's careless with it. When she discovers that she loses her coin, she turns the house upside down to find it. And when she finds her lost coin, he says she rejoices. She calls her friends, and they come over for a lost coin party. I don't know if you've ever been to a lost coin party, but it's way better than a lost sheep party, right? And the party's still bump until two in the morning, right? This is a lost coin party. So she celebrates because she finds her lost coin. And then Jesus rounds out this trio of stories by talking about an ungrateful, rude, son. Here's, here's what he says about this son. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told him this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Pause right here. This father has two sons. He has some wealth. We found out later he has servants. Um, so he has some wealth. His ungrateful son comes to him and essentially says, Dad, let's just cut to the chase. You're going to die one day, and when you die, you're going to leave me some money. So you know what? Forget you. <laughs> I'll PG-13. Then. Forget you. I'm off. Give me the money. I'm out of here. And the dad chokes him to death. Now, the dad gives him the money. Unbelievable. The da- This ungrateful, rude son with no home training. Maybe at home training, I don't know. Says, dad, I wish you were dead. Give me the money that I'm gonna have. I'm out of here. The son believes that a life without the father is better than a life with the father. And the father gives him the money. He gives him the inheritance. A few days later, this young son packed all of his belongings, and he moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money on wild living. At about this time, his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. This kid thinks he knows everything. He goes out on his own and he squanders all that he has. He's bankrupt. He has nothing. He's hit rock bottom. At least that's what you would think. Because he actually sinks further. He finds a farmer and he convinces him to hire him to feed pigs. He stoops even lower here, because this kid, he's a good Jewish boy. And for good Jewish boys, they can't have anything to do with pigs or unclean animals. And so he hires himself out to feed pigs. Like Jesus' audience, as they're listening to this, they would react way different than you are right now. They would hear that he's feeding pigs, they'd be like, oh my goodness, no way, unbelievable. You, you hear this, you're like, mm, good, bacon, right? That's it. So he hires himself out. But it gets even worse than this. The kid is so hungry, he's not making enough money to eat. And so that he looks at what the pigs are eating and he longs. Oh, he longs to feed himself with the pods that the pigs are eating. You know what pigs eat, right? Slop. If you want to experiment with this, just take all your leftovers from today and tomorrow. And the next day, just put them in a bag and leave them out. Don't refrigerate them. Just leave them out. And uh, next week, pour it out on a plate and bon appetit. Right? I mean, this is what the pigs are eating. Slop. And the kid is so bad off. He's hit rock bottom. He's longing to eat what the pigs are eating. then it says this, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, you know, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. The kid says, or Jesus says, when he came to his senses, remember his situation. He's turned his back on his dad. He's lost everything. He's feeding pigs, and now he longs to eat what they are eating. He's hit rock bottom. And then Jesus says, when he came to his senses, here's the question that I have. How long did it take for the kid to come to his senses before he finally, finally turned around? Like, how long was he feeding pigs and longing to eat what they eat? Was it a week? Was it a month? Was it months? Was it years? How long was this kid in this situation before he finally came to his senses? Can I just ask you this morning, how long will it take for you to finally come to your senses? How long will it take for you and your wife to continue to get in the same argument over and over and over again until you finally say, maybe we should seek counseling? How long will it take for you to continue to drown in debt? Paying off one credit card to the next credit card and the next credit card and just swapping debt until you finally come to your senses and say, I gotta do something different. How long will it take for you to finally come to your senses? Where you stop finding your worth and value and identity and what you do, and if I can just get the next promotion, then I'll be really good. If I can just get paid a little more, then I'll be good. When will you finally come to your senses and realize this isn't working? Will it be a week? months? A couple of years? Just set a date on the calendar. I'm going to come to my senses seven months from now. Okay. You can wait till then, or you can do it now. And you know exactly where you are in rock bottom in your life. You know exactly what's not working, and you keep going to it over and over again. When are you going to finally get free from that addiction? install some software on your computer that helps hold you accountable. When are you going to go home and just pour the bottle out and say, I'm done? How long will it take for you to come to your senses? In a room this size, I believe all of us can resonate with this kid. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, Even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I'll go home to my father. I know what I'll do. I'll go home to my father and I'll say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. And I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me as a hired servant. I don't know if he sounded that way, but he might have. So he returned home to his father and while he was still a long way off and while he was still a long way off and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For the son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. So the party began. Jesus tells three different stories a lost sheep, a lost coin, and then a lost son. And he says that while the son was still a long way off, I can just imagine the father scanning the Israeli horizon, longing for his son to come home. And so he's just scanning every single day, probably from the day that he left, he's scanning, wondering over in the horizon, wait, is that, is that my son? Is that, is that him? Oh no, it's, it's just a farmer. Oh wait, wait, is that him? Do I see him? Is he is he, no what are you traveling every single day. You can see the father looking out, just scanning the horizon, wondering, wait, is that But then there's this moment where he's just scanning the horizon. He sees a figure in the distance, and he squints a little more. So he says, it's kind of his shape. It's kind of his height. He, he kind of walks that way. I went, and he sees that it's his son. And while he was still a long way off, the father ran to him. He broke off in a sprint. He didn't stroll. He didn't jog. He didn't walk. He ran to his lost son. And when he got to his lost son, he slapped him. No, that's not what he does. Do you see? In every one of these stories, the shepherd doesn't scold the sheep. The woman doesn't hit the coin. The father doesn't shame the son, and instead he embraces him. And there's one translation that says he wouldn't stop kissing him. He embraces him, and he won't stop kissing him. His son is now home, and I don't know if you saw it. You can go back and read it. The son rehearses an apology and it's three sentences long. When the son says the apology this time, it's only two sentences. You know why? Because the father cuts him off. The father stops him short in his apology. It's like we don't have time for apologies because we got a party to throw. He's, you don't need to apologize, you've already been forgiven. You've always been my son, no matter what you've done. I've just been waiting for you to come home and now that you're here, it's time to party. This is how God treats us. The father recklessly ran to his son. He kills the calf they've been fattening for some special occasion. There's no more special occasion than this. He throws a robe on him, the ring, sandals on his feet. He dresses him up. He gets him ready. He's reckless in his reception of his son. He's so glad that he's home. And Jesus says, when you think about God, this is how God is with you. God recklessly runs towards you because he loves you so much. And because God has recklessly ran towards you, My hope is that today you would decide to recklessly run with him. This is what Jesus did with Peter. He rescued him from this life of monotony and invited him to an adventure. I believe today God wants to rescue you from a life of monotony, just surviving, just getting by. He invites you on an adventure. And I want to give you a, a moment now Just to think about your life and where you are. And I wonder if you have a decision that you need to make to follow Jesus, maybe for the first time. Maybe you've been following him and you need to start following him closer. I don't know where you are in life. Maybe you're a lot like the the sheep who wandered off. Maybe you've done that with God. You've just kind of wandered off. It's not your fault. You didn't know any better. It's not the sheep's fault. It just wandered off. It didn't know any better. Maybe that's where you are. Maybe you're like the, the woman with this coin. You've been careless with your life. And you didn't know that there was something more for you. You, you didn't know any better. You, you just didn't know your value and your worth. And so you were careless with your life. Turn to drugs and alcohol or relationships or career or whatever it is to try and find the meaning you've been longing for. You've just been Careless. Or maybe you're like the son and, and at some point, you believe that a life without the father was better than a life with the father. Can I just invite you today to come home? Can I just invite you today to say yes to Jesus? Because Jesus recklessly ran toward you on the cross. See, Jesus saw the state each and every one of us were in, separated from God because of our sin, and, and, and you get this, you understand this. You know what sin is. You've experienced it in your own life. Sin is everything you've done that causes shame and guilt and hurt and remorse. It's all the ways that you've hurt yourself. It's all the ways that you've hurt other people. And because of this sin, because we live in a way contrary to God's way, we've been separated from God. And so we find ourselves in this rut, this, this mundane existence, trying to figure this out ourselves. We find ourselves being who we see in the mirror. And then there's the person that we want to become. And Jesus recklessly runs towards us on the cross. He says, I'm going to take your sin on myself. When Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago, that's exactly what he did. He took your sin on himself. Everything you're ashamed of, everything that brings guilt in your life, everything you wish you didn't do, he took it on himself on the cross so that when Jesus died, it died. You don't have to live with that anymore. See, Jesus lived a perfect life, a life we can't live, ultimately dying the death that we deserve. He recklessly ran to us on the cross and then he was buried and three days later, he rose again from the dead and that's what we celebrate today and every Sunday. And I wonder if you've ever made the decision to follow Jesus and make him the leader of your life. My guess is for for a lot of you, you've been the leader of your life. And you know, it's not, it's not your fault. For some, again, you're just wandering through life, trying to figure it out. For some, you've been careless with your life. For others, you, you just think you know better. I wonder if you've been trying to be the leader of your life and today's the day where you say, I'm gonna make Jesus the leader of my life. They've talked about the mother of all QR codes. We have a, um, a form on there that says connect. I wanna invite you today If you've never made the decision to accept Jesus and be baptized into him, to say, I believe that Jesus died for me on the cross, he rose again from the dead, and I wanna give him my life and be baptized into him. If you've never made that decision, I wanna invite you scan this QR code, there's a form that says connect, fill that out, and on that form, there's a box that says, I wanna accept Christ and be baptized. There's also a box that says, I have questions about Christianity. Maybe you're not ready to take that step yet, and you got some questions. Just mark that box. Also in the cards that we gave you, fill that out. If, we just want everybody to fill that out today. So just so you know, you're either filling it out here or there. But let us know. And on there, there's a box that says, I want to accept Christ and be baptized. We want to give you that chance to make that decision. It's the greatest decision you ever make in your life. Because I just believe, if you're like me, there's a me that I see, and then there's a me that I want to be. And I'm not there yet. And throughout this series, we're going to explore how to bridge that gap, and I believe the first step is through recklessly running with Jesus. By the way, this whole series uh, that we're doing beginning today, going on for the next several weeks that, of course, you're going to come back to, is all about our values as a church. We call it the journey way, and I believe if you embrace these values in your life, you'll discover the more you were made for, and you'll be able to break out of that rut, that routine, and live the adventure God has called you to. Make sure you're here next week. Pray with you. God, thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. Man, there is something about you that got us up this morning to come here. It's the resurrection. It's the resurrection. Like, you were dead, and then you came back to life. In this moment, as we talk to you, can you just help us reflect on the reality of what Easter is? That you were dead and now you're alive. And I pray that we respond in a different way than how so many of us respond to that. Just casually, okay, yeah. Try and come to church whenever I can. would you allow the reality of your resurrection to rock our life in such a way where we just say, something's gotta change? Because we don't serve a dead savior, but a resurrected one. One who came back from the dead. Oh, that changes everything. So God, I pray that the resurrection becomes a reality for us. Let it be a reality in the way that we treat our Our family, the way that we treat our kids, the way that we treat our friends, the way that we live. Oh God, let your resurrection just be the striving force in us. We're like today, we we can't go back to how we were last week. We can't go back to how we were doing life because we've heard this now. Of course there's gonna be a change. Of course there's gonna be a difference because you rose. In Jesus' name, amen.